for joining us on today's podcast program. This is Robin Swift, along with one of my favorite servant leaders, (laughs) Carol Malinsky. You are too good to me. Thank (laughs) you very much for that nice introduction. And I'm raring to go today because I'm finally feeling good after a wonderful summer cold I've been going through. I know, that's awful. So, uh, yeah, I'm ready to rock and roll. Awesome. So, Guys, here's what we're doing today. We're going to cover the next five things you can do to begin as a servant leader. We did another podcast you'll see listed on our our program list there uh, where we tackled the first five in no particular order. And so, Carol, I'm going to have you just recap those first five. And again, you guys can go back to the other program to hear uh, about them in detail. And then on this program, we'll tackle the next five. Okay, sounds great. Um, So, number one of the 10 things you can do to begin as a servant leader is every day get out of your office and intentionally spend time connecting with your employees or team. Number two is every day make eye contact and greet people that you pass in the hallway, even if you don't know them. Number three is every day find a way to say thank you for the way you've been served by someone. So number four is if you have a team, set up one-on-one meetings with each person once a week. This time can be used to get to know one another, to build trust between the two of you, and also to get focused on specific tasks that you're working on. Number five, this is a really tough one, is every day avoid gossip and stop it when you can. So those are the first five that we talked about in our last program. And so Robin and I are going to work now on numbers 6 through 10 of the 10 things you can do to begin as a servant leader. And I want to emphasize, as Carol did in the first program, do not be fooled by how simple these <laughs> tips sound. Each one of them has layers and layers of growth one can do. So whether you're a new servant leader or you're um, a super pro at it, I believe me, you can still grow by focusing on those first five Carol just outlined. So now we move to number six, approach every day asking, how can you add value? Avoid asking yourself, how can you win the situation? So again, ask, how can you add value? Carol, tell us more about this tip. Well, you know, I think the the natural way, um, at least most people are, um, are are sort of self-centered. We we grow up that way, right? As little babies, what do we want? We want what we want. (laughs) (laughs) And um, some of us, take very easily to this concept of servant leadership and putting other people before ourselves. But the vast majority of people really don't go into their work situation thinking, how can I add value today? And so this one is all about changing your mindset and really starting to think in a different way. When I go into work in the morning, Am I approaching it from a standpoint of how I can add value to the situation 
or how I can get what I want in my work life today. Um, it might be going into a meeting with this philosophy of how do I win? How do I win the argument? How do I get things accomplished for my, myself or for my group? When really we need to be thinking, how do I bring value to the organization as a whole? And it's a whole, so that's a whole different way to approach our work. And it's really critical that we make that change if we want to be a servant leader. Excellent point. And, you know, this can be very simplistic. When you ask yourself that question, how can I add value? And you just ask that question to yourself. And it may be, well, I could kind of pull myself out of this bad mood I'm in right now. That's, yeah, yeah. As one of our favorite uh, servant leaders says, Kelly Cardenas, it may just be, I'm sending out a bad vibe right now. Yeah. Kelly talks about the vibe. Right. So, you know, it could be something like that. That's how I can add value right now. I can get in a better mood and I may need to go for a walk or change a perception I'm having right now. So don't be fooled again by, uh, you know, it's, it's, it's a, there's a lot of layers in asking that yeah. question. Yeah. And, and one of the things we can do is to ask other people. Sure. If you really, if you don't feel like you really have a grasp on what would bring value to a certain situation, ask folks, how can I bring value to this situation? What is it that you're looking for from me? What's your expectation? Mm. And, you know, I may not be able to fill it, but I may be able to. And so I'm making, I'll be then making a contribution. And once I start asking those kind of questions, that vocabulary of adding value will become part of the culture that's around you. So you'll find more people starting to say, well, how can I add value in this situation? So really, again, deceptively simple. But when we reflect on these things, they can really be eye-opening to what's really going on in our head as we approach work. Right. Yeah. And so we don't, yeah, that's a great point, Carol. We don't always have to have the answer to that question, but how about we ask people what they think we can do? Yeah. Sometimes it's get out of our way so we can do yeah. what you've set up for us to yeah. do. And don't be afraid to receive the answer that you're being given. Because it doesn't necessarily mean that, you know, people don't like you or, or they don't want you around, but you just be open to their honesty. And uh, the other thing that will happen as you do that is, of course, trust will be built. Exactly. Which is super, super important. So of all the things I believe one could do when they say, you know, they want to become a servant leader or a better servant leader, it really is to ask yourself this question. It is the cornerstone to me of the difference of servant leaders uh, versus other power leaders, any kind of leader, really. Um, that's a, a big difference to walk in the door and ask that question to yourself or to others, as you said, right, Carol. Right. So often we're asked, what is servant leadership? I do think it's a mindset of being different. And this question right here, how can I add value, will be the game changer, in my right, opinion. Right. And of course, it rubs off into your personal life, which is a whole nother, right. you know, opens a whole nother door for your growth and for other people's growth. Like asking so your, your kids, like, oh, yeah. How can I add value? To, they'll probably freak They're out. They'll look first. at you like you're crazy, but they'll get over it. Right. They're like, oh, okay. 
Maybe this is good. Mom or dad is serious about this. Okay, well, let's move on to number seven. Number seven is use every opportunity you have to explain the larger meaning of what you're asking people to do. It's important that they understand the mission. And, you know, this is, this is a concept that really started for me um, way back in 2004 when I first started learning about servant leadership and Art Barter first brought servant leadership to Daytron World Communications. I would look at our, our folks, our, our partners out on the manufacturing floor, and of course I would say to myself, they're doing very repetitive tasks. How can they do that day after day, you know, a very repetitive task like that? Because, you know, I didn't know if I could do something like that. Mm -hmm. And what I discovered was if you tie meaning and purpose to everything that is done in an organization, then everyone can feel that sense of accomplishment. Everybody wants to feel significant in their life. And they want their work to have meaning of some kind. And I truly believe that no matter what the task may be, you can find meaning and purpose there. So there are lots of examples we could use. But if you're thinking in terms of your group, your team, you want to help them understand what does processing this piece of paper mm -hmm. have to do with meaning or purpose in life. And so we need to take a look at what does that piece of paper affect? Who does it affect? Who touches it? What kind of action does it cause to take place? And so if I look at those kind of things, I can understand the meaning and the purpose. But more importantly, I need to make sure that I pass that along to the people that I'm leading so that they can understand and start to look at things in a different way. They can start looking at that downstream department that they give information to and start thinking in terms of how can I make it better for those people. And um, the same with how can I look upstream and ask for what I need to do my job better. Mm. So it all ties together. And what you end up with is an organization where people are engaged, where they understand the bigger picture. Um, Art Barter, our founder and CEO and the owner of uh, Daytron World Communications, used to say to our teams, would you, we made radio products, would you put that radio on your son or daughter's back? And if you can't say you would, then we have to stop everything and look at our process and make sure that everything is correct. Is it safe enough? We'll right. do the job out in the battlefield. Right. Is the quality high enough? And, you know, that's, that's real meaning and purpose right there. Now, not everybody has that set of circumstances, but if you really look at what you're doing and look at your end product, you will find the meaning and the purpose there. I guarantee it.
Mm, great point. Yeah. So what you're really talking about here, number seven, use every opportunity you have to explain the larger meaning of what you are asking people to do. What you're really emphasizing here, Carol, is the importance of being a good communicator, right. spending that extra time. I, when I read this uh, this morning, just refreshing my mind about these uh, great tips, what came to mind is Olivia's new on our team helping us with some administrative work and she updates our master contact list, our community mm -hmm. of people that mm -hmm. we communicate with every week. And I had some updates for her and I could have just handed her these updates saying, here, update our list and walk away. Instead, I thought, what if I spent this extra time telling her the importance of this list, that this is how we reach out and help people, and this is how we inspire and equip people, which is our mission here. It's so important. This is one of the most important things. And when I did that and saw the look in her eyes, like, oh, great, okay. You know, you're, you're involving them more in the whole process is what you're saying, That's right? a perfect, that's the, that example is perfect in those situations where, you know, she's doing an administrative task. And you wouldn't think that there's necessarily, that that's any kind of big deal or something to be proud about, you know what I mean, and be engaged mm -hmm. about. But yet it is because you took the time to explain to her why it is. It's the why of what we do. It's the why and what we do. And servant, leader, servant leaders are multipliers, not diminishers, the <laughs> right. work of Liz Wiseman, right. uh, which is so great if you haven't read that book. Okay, number eight. Number eight. If you lead a team or assign work to others, look for opportunities to delegate. It's a great way to show people you trust them and you want to help them grow. Yeah, you know, when I began as, <clears throat> pardon me, as uh, having people report to me, um, this was a real tough one for me because coming from a, a mid-level management um, position and having uh, tasks that I had to get done as well as leading people, you know, you, you hold your work tight. And I held my work tight, and that uh, that will, will end up being a real negative for you because you burn yourself out, basically. So you have to learn to let go. <laughs> let go of those file <laughs> folders <laughs> because, because other people are fully capable of doing these things. And what, you know, you really show your trust in them when you delegate to them. So it's, it's a lot more important than just passing that work along. It's the message that it sends along with it that is so terribly important. And so once you can get to the point where you're willing to give that work up, the next step, of course, is to be able to delegate in the right way. You can't just hand something off to somebody and say, here, do this if you have not prepared them to do it. And you know nothing will um, make them feel worse than ending up failing in something because you know they weren't given a chance to be successful mm. because you didn't go ahead and, and talk to them about um, the aspects of the job that they need to get done. So what I'd like to do this morning is go through six steps to delegation and I think they'll um, definitely help you understand this process a lot great, a lot better. Okay, great. 
So the first one is to communicate the task. And by that we mean the what, the when, and the end result. So give them those parameters, what you need them to do, when you need it by, and then what the end result, what is the end result that you expect? What is your expectation? The next one, number two, is to furnish some context for them. Explain, again, here, we, here it comes again, explain the why and the possible challenges that you might run up against. Number three is to determine the standards. I love this phrase, what does a home run look like? Mm. Art does that a lot. Yeah, and everybody that. gets that. You know, what would it look like for me to get a home run? Um, Ken Blanchard would say, what is it going to look like for me to get an A? Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Same, same concept. Number four is grant the authority. So in other words, you're delegating to people. You better darn well give them the authority to get the job done. So that may mean that you need to communicate to the team as a whole that you know Robin is in charge you know is taking over this project now and that will signal to people that you have the authority to come to them and ask for what you need in order to do that task the fifth one is to provide support and this goes back to our concept of equipping our employees. So if there's tools they need, if there's training they need, if there's um, maybe they need an introduction to someone else mm. or an explanation to someone else in the organization that they are taking over the project. And this is where as a leader you can step in and help and set them up for success by providing the support they need. Might be, um, they might need budget, they might need money. <laughs> in order to be able to get the project done. So anything they need to be able to be successful. And then finally, number six, is to get their commitment. In other words, you know, are they willing to accept this challenge? And then once again, make sure that they understand the expectations. And as, as we know, the standard thing, I would have them repeat back to me, you know, what it is they feel the expectations are. Okay, great. Let's just go over these one more time so um, everybody listening has this down. So we're talking about number eight on how to grow as a servant leader, and it's about delegating. And Carol gave mm -hmm. us six great tips here for delegating. Communicate the task. Mm -hmm. Give the context. Explain the why. Ask what does it look like to have a home run, or however, whatever your language is. <laughs> right. Receive an A. Um, give the authority. Right. Provide support and make sure you have the buy-in, the commitment. Mm -hmm. Yep. Excellent. Good job. <laughs> I, I listened to you. I've learned to listen to you. Um, fantastic. Okay, that's so helpful. Um, I will make one note before Carol reads uh, number nine for us. I just want to note on this area of delegate, delegating from my own experience. You will run into your ego. That says you no. have to do everything. <laughs> yeah. 
when you talk about that letting go piece, Carol, you know, I certainly experienced that growing Servant Leadership Institute, being involved in that. In the mm -hmm. beginning, when there's fewer of us, we did have to do a lot of things. But as you get more help, you've got to let go and let other people help you. And I learned that every day, let go, let go, get out of the way. And then I see what people do and I feel like, oh, they did that so much better than me. <laughs> and that's a good thing. This one, I think, is pretty much constant. I think we have to fight that battle constantly of making the decision, is this something that I should be doing or is this something that somebody on my team should be doing? Right. Um, it's just, I don't, I don't think we wake up one day and we're now all of a sudden we're perfect at delegation. I think it's something we have to work on all the time. We're a work in progress. Right. I think that's a great point, Carol. And, and, and we also talk a lot about, as servant leaders, putting people in their gift zones, mm -hmm. their strengths. Right. So they may just, I'm not a good admin person. I'm not a good detailed person. So I need somebody to help me in that area. Or I could do it and it'll take double the time. Yeah. You know, so these are things you just have to be aware of that you're better putting your people where they can shine. Okay, you want to read number nine for us, Carol? Sure. Let's go on to number nine, which is, this sounds so simple, be on time to meetings. This shows people you value their time. Um, I think, unfortunately, I know I've worked in situations where lateness, a little bit of lateness becomes a part of the culture. Um, and really, we're not, what are we saying to other people when we're consistently, I'm talking about consistently mm -hmm. late. Um, it's really, it's not honoring their time, mm. for one thing. We got into an interesting conversation about this earlier today as we started talking about lateness. And I loved it because we sort of, it was actually Brian, sort of turned the viewpoint around to say, well, the people that are there, what is their responsibility while they're waiting for this other person to come along? That's a servant leadership thought. Not sitting there being the victim of somebody being late, but how do I handle it when other folks are late? Right. So this is something that you can actually talk about in your team ahead of time. I'll give you an example. Robin may be called into, uh, maybe she has a meeting with a client, and the meeting's going a little long, and you're supposed to be in a meeting with us. Well, we know that if it's a situation where we can carry on without you, that that's what we do. We step up and take that responsibility. Now, if it's something where we can't, continue without you, then obviously, you know, we would make um, necessary changes. But on your part of that situation, you would have notified us, texted somebody to say, meeting with a client, go ahead without me, or I'm meeting with a client, we need to reschedule to a little later, whatever the situation may be. So it really comes down to communicating if you want to stop this sort of, oh, I'm just late because I'm late. Right. And, you know, we've all been in those meetings where the the big person, whoever that is, that is in charge is late and everybody's sitting around and it's uncomfortable. Yeah. It's a waste of time. Yeah. So 
in that moment, you can show leadership to do what you can. Mm -hmm. Maybe you can't do exactly everything, but what piece can you take as right. a team? Um, and hopefully that person, if things happen, so you're, you, you might be delayed by a, a, a variety of reasons, right. communicating that to your team. So they feel it's not disrespect, like, oh, I just roll in whenever and keep people waiting right. 20 minutes. Right. That's not a good feeling. We've, I've, I've done that. It's a terrible feeling. I've been on the other end of that, and it's a terrible feeling. Yeah. So I think it's just one of those things to shore up and work on your schedule, uh, what's impeding you from not being on time. Take right. a look at that. Right. That's another aspect to look at. And, you know, the bottom line is if you're really serious about this is a great one for if you're interested in being a servant leader, but other people in the organization and other aren't necessarily. In other words, there isn't an initiative going on to have servant leadership in your workplace. This is a great way to sort of foster that kind of thinking is without ever using the term servant leadership, to say to your, you know, your, your co-workers, hey, how do we handle it? How should we handle it really when so-and-so, you know, can't make it to a meeting? You know, what's, what's our process going to be for that? So that, you know, we aren't wasting our time. Right. Yeah. So that's a good sign of leadership. For yeah, showing exactly. What, again, the servant leader is always looking for what can we can create here? What can we do with this situation? Mm -hmm. And then we just want to avoid that sense that, being late is cool because I'm so busy, you yeah. know. <laughs> yeah. That's just so, so again, so you just have to, to look at, at, at that whole situation. So that brings us to our final 10, 10th thing you can do, <laughs> the final 10. Um, I do want to say that um, if you will send us an email to info at servantleadershipinstitute.com, we will send you a PDF of the very things we've been covering in this podcast and the previous one on the 10 things you can do today to begin as a servant leader. So each one of these is on the PDF. So just jet us an email, info at servantleadershipinstitute.com, and we'll send that out to you. And if I can just add one yeah. thing to that, in your subject line, put 10 things. 10 okay, things. Okay, so we'll know what it is you want. Okay, thanks, Carol. Yeah, that mm -hmm. really helps the person distributing it. So make sure you put that 10 things. And that brings us to the final one here, uh, number 10. The simplest and the hardest Okay, is quite simply do what you say you're going to do. Oh, man, that's tough. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I think I've seen over the years this become a, a more serious issue, I think, because... We have a tendency to make a commitment and then something a little more attractive comes along and we make another commitment and we adjust the other commitment, you know, the first commitment. Well, that's probably not the best way to operate. It reminds me of a sitcom, right, where the, the, the young hero has two dates at one time or oh, something right. like that because he gets a better, you know, he gets right, a better, better offer. offer. And we need to not do that. So, you know, in order to build um, an environment where you are a trusted individual, you have to keep your commitments. And if you can't keep a commitment, to go back and renegotiate that commitment is certainly um, allowable um, 
because things ha- things do happen. Right. But to be a person of your word um, will take you, will carry you, and you will earn a reputation and gain influence because you're a person of your word. And that's really the groundwork for becoming this, as John Maxwell would say, this level five leader where people follow you because of who you are as a person. And that's how you become a person of integrity is by keeping your commitments. Yes, that's so strong, isn't it? Yeah, it really, really really is. Again, the simplicity of it, but the strength in this. Yes, and with any of these, you'll find as you work on them or as you sit and reflect about them that they're layered. There's layers. New thoughts will come into your head about, well, what about this situation? What about that situation? And uh, so they're deceptively simple. Deceptively simple. Is what I'm trying to say. You know, also what just occurred to me, Carol, um, we started a Facebook group, Mm. and we've had a lot of people joining and talking about these kind of topics. So you can go in and join, uh, just put in, and when you're in Facebook, ServantLeadershipInstitute.com, and we'll talk about these tips, and you may have ideas that we haven't covered um, that are relatable and helpful for people. So please go in and check that out. Um, We're excited to see the action here lately in it. We're just always looking for ways to nourish our community um, and not just our knowledge, but all of you out there that have many great tips, I'm sure. And we'd love to hear that. So check that out. Um, Send us an email is the other opportunity to receive this um, PDF uh, that we've been talking about at info at ServantLeadershipInstitute.com, and we'll send this to you. Anything else, Carol, in terms of closing uh, thoughts or comments you'd like to share with our audience? Well, um, I would just say that, you know, if you, if you can do nothing else to focus on these 10 things um, over the next, I don't know, maybe it's a year, um, Particularly if you're in an environment where servant leadership is not openly discussed or openly practiced, um, you you have the power to go in and do these things. And we would lo- and if you do that, we would love to hear about the kind of reaction you get, good or bad. Right. Um, it would just be wonderful and exciting to know you know what's going on out there in the rest of the world. Um, and what these simple things will start. Um, will they trigger, you know, other actions in, in the environment you're in? So be encouraged and, um, you know, get involved with these 10 tips. Yeah, it's, it's so great that these are things um, we put together so the individual does have something they yeah. can do because not everybody has a culture that promotes or nourishes this type of behavior. But it doesn't mean you can't do these things. Right. Even if you're the only one that's sitting at the meeting on time, just wait. That's okay. You know, you you never know the message you're sending. So we really encourage you. And I will add um, a final note here, too, is don't be too hard on yourself when you notice Mm. your behavior being contraire. Because half of becoming a great leader, I think, is more self-awareness, you know, more emotional intelligence. And with that, you start seeing all these things that aren't necessarily what you want. But I feel like just noticing them, that's half the battle. And then you do have a choice to get better and not do them. But if you're not even aware of this behavior, then 
you're really kind of stuck, I think. Yeah, no, that's very, very true. We have to be um, kind to ourselves. And particularly if you are in a situation where you feel like you're the lone, the lone ranger, um, you know, be, be patient with yourself. Right, great. Okay, we're going to end on that good yeah. note because I love that, Carol. Be patient with yourself. Keep um, plodding along step by step. And being a good servant leader, a great leader of any sort, really takes a lifetime. <laughs> so you're really not right. Yep. Quite a, <laughs> have you arrived. Right. You're always a work in progress. So keep going forward. Um, we love to hear from all of you. If you have any ideas on other podcast programs or anything else you'd like to see us doing, we're here to serve. So mm-hmm. with that, thank you so much for listening. And we hope you have a great rest of the day. Hey, everyone, before you go, I just wanted to remind you to email us at info at servantleadershipinstitute.com to receive a free downloadable PDF of the 10 things you can do today to begin as a servant leader. Also, we have established a Facebook group. The Servant Leadership Institute group on Facebook is a resource for you to join like-minded servant leaders in discussions about challenges and victories in leadership. Check it out today. That's all I have for you today. For more information on SLI and what we can provide you, visit our website at servantleadershipinstitute.com. Thank you once again for allowing us to add value to your day.